We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hi, and welcome to another Money Matters podcast. I'm Laura Suter. And I'm Danny Hewson. And this episode, we're going to deal with career breaks. And we don't just mean the obvious time when you have time out to have kids, but also taking time out to travel. And with the weather like this, it seems like a good idea. Seems like a very good idea to me as well. Also taking time out for other caring responsibilities like elderly parents or maybe even retiring and then deciding to get back into the workforce. We'll be talking through tips to plan ahead so your finances suffer the smallest shock possible. And I'm also going to be talking to Jessica Chivers from The Comeback Community, coach, podcaster and author who helps women make the transition back into the workplace. Because it's hard, Laura, getting back into the workplace. I remember when I returned after having kids and, and the shock of going from just, you know, talking about baby poo and and weaning to suddenly having to use your brain again. Yeah, and I think that kind of transition, I found it really hard going from being on maternity leave to being back in work and your child being in childcare and trying to get back into the job and remember what you were doing and remind people that you're there. I think your confidence definitely takes a knock when you've had a period of time off, even if it's you know, some people only take a few months off. Even after that period, I think you would still find it quite a tricky transition. I I only took a few months off. I only had six months off, but I did feel completely split, torn in two when I went back because part of me wanted to be still with the kids and a part of me was really glad to be back at work. But uh, it is incredibly difficult. And we thought we'd start with some of the figures that Money Matters pulled together from a survey that we did when we launched this campaign. We found that 39% of women had taken a career break of five years or longer compared with just 17% of men. And of those women who had taken a break, 41% found that their long-term financial prospects had been impacted. So is there anything that you can do to mitigate the impact of, say, taking time out to have kids? Say, if someone's planning to have kids in the next couple of years, or maybe if they're expecting right now, Laura, what sort of things should they be thinking about? Yeah, I definitely think it's important to plan your finances. Um, your income is going to take a hit during this period and it's about working out how you can mitigate some of the impact of that. So if you're planning to have kids in a few years time and you're super organized, you might want to start saving now um, for that so that you can supplement your income with some savings during that period or just saving up for things like a lot of the pricey things that babies require like prams and cots and all of those things. Um, But I think some people maybe don't plan out that much and maybe they'll find they're expecting now and they don't have that long lead-in period to it to save money. Um, So I think then it's just thinking about, okay, working out practically what is going to be the hit on your income? How much maternity pay are you going to get? Are you taking shared parental leave? And just really working out the impact on your household income and plan for that. And crucially, I say household income because I think the main thing that you need to do in the lead up to a career break is talk to your partner, assuming you have one, and get fully on the same page about your finances. So both being aware of how much 
less your income is going to be or theirs if they're taking time off, how you're both together going to fill that gap. Because I think it's so important to have those conversations ahead of you going off when you're both on an equal footing, both still working. I think it's much harder to have that conversation when you get to the point where you realize you don't have enough money for that month because your maternity pay has gone down to rock bottom levels and you haven't had that discussion. I mean, throw in a crying baby and some hormones into that mix and it's going to be a much trickier conversation than if you go into it as a team, knowing exactly how you're going to tackle that financial side of things. Oh, Laura, you're telling my life story at the moment because I was in exactly that position. And I do remember a point because everything was still going out half and half from my account. And I do remember a point, sleepless nights, sitting on the floor crying because I'm thinking I'm going to have to put the supermarket shop on my credit card. Yeah, so um, that is definitely an incredibly good tip. Let us go with the preparation a bit more because I've also got quite a number of friends who are lucky enough to be taking time out of their careers to travel. Some have come back after around a year or so. Some have never come back. One in particular has made a life in Australia and I keep seeing her pictures on Facebook and I'm incredibly jealous. Um Jessica, who we've been speaking to, has got some brilliant tips about the kind of conversations that you should be having with your employer before you take a sabbatical. But just thinking about finances, um, I suppose there are certain obvious things like renting out your house if you're lucky enough to have one, making sure all your bills are paid by direct debit while you're away. But what about things like pensions? Yeah, so if you're going to take a career break, that might mean that you're going to take a break from your pension as well. And we all know that a one-year hit to your pension where you're not contributing, particularly when you're younger, can have a really big impact on the pot when you come to retire. So if you've got some spare cash before you take your career break, you could increase your contributions before you go up off almost to kind of help plug that gap before you go away. Or you could try and maintain your pension contributions when you're off. Although if you're not working, you're not going to have your employer's contribution to add to that. And also that might just seem like a cost too much. For some people, it's not going to be affordable to keep up those pension payments. And I think that's fine. No financial plan in life is perfect. No one sticks to all of the rules all of the time. Not even me. Um, But I think it's just important (laughs) to consider it. It's important to know, okay, I'm not paying into my pension during this year. That's going to have this impact on my overall pension pot. And I've got this rough plan of how I'm going to get it back. So I think it's fine to take those breaks if you can't afford to um, keep contributing. But I think it just has to be a considered decision rather than just blindly cutting your contributions, hoping for the best and not actually thinking about the impact that that might have. It's quite interesting that we're dressed in red and white today because you kind of reminded me of my financial better angel, whereas I think of myself more (laughs) of the devil on people's shoulders. Um, If women are taking time out later in life or maybe they're taking early retirement and then they've got to go back maybe because the cost of living pressures are so great, they might already be taking their pension. So what do they have to think about? Yeah, there's this big trend called the great unretirement. So it's lots of people who retired, particularly during the pandemic. um, And then they've now decided that they want to go back into the workforce for various reasons. Like you said, cost of living might be one of them. Some people might just realize that they don't like retirement that much or they want to work a couple of days a week, maybe. Um, There is something that you need to consider if you've already accessed your pension. And that is 
there's a jargon alert here. It's called the Money Purchase Annual Allowance. I don't know why they give it such a complicated and boring name. It <laughs> Maybe we need a buzzer for the jargon. Oh, we, do. we do. But essentially, it means that if you've already accessed your pension, you have a lower limit of how much you can pay into your pension each year. And it's basically to stop people taking money out of their pension and then recycling it back into the pension and getting tax relief again. Um, they've the government's actually just increased it, but it means that you can put six thousand pounds a year into your pension pot. Um, normally, that would be sixty thousand pounds a year. Um, so it's a big difference, um, and it's just something to be aware of. That means you can't use this time to really stuff your pension pot full of money. I mean, six thousand pounds a year is still a decent amount of money. That's still five hundred pounds a month. But it's just something to be aware of. You might need to reduce your contributions um, and you might not be able to max out your employer contributions as well. Okay, before we hear from Jessica about getting your mind in the right space for returning to work, whether or not you're coming back from the great retirement, as you were saying, or whether or not it's just because you've returned from kids or that fantastic break somewhere fantastic. Um what about your finances? If you're about to get a paycheck again, that's going to be a positive thing, I guess. Um, but do people need to think about making sure that they're claiming things like childcare, if that's where they're at, or if they restarted their pension, if they paused paying into it, maybe they also need to think about any benefits um, so they're not falling foul of any rules? Yeah, and I think this is particularly important if your salary has changed, either you've got a much higher salary than before you went off, or maybe you're returning part-time and so your salary is lower. It might mean that benefits that you were previously eligible for, you're either no longer eligible for because your salary's increased, or you might now be eligible for them where you weren't before if your salary has dropped. So it's really important to think about these things. Um, so it's things like with childcare, are you entitled to child benefit or tax-free childcare? or free childcare hours. Um, with tax-free childcare, I think a lot of people don't realise that they can pay into that while they're on maternity leave. So as soon as your child is born, you can start paying into that account and claim the government money. And that can be a really good way of helping to soften the blow of that childcare hit when you return to work. So the government will give you £2,000 a year it's actually broken down into £500 a quarter um, towards your childcare costs. If you pay money in, then the government also pays money in. So you could do that while you're on, on maternity leave um, and then use the money, pay out from that account once your child starts in childcare. Um, the other thing to think about is uh, that pension percentage level that you mentioned there, Danny. So thinking about how much you're contributing to your pension and whether you want to increase it compared to what you were paying in before. So pension contributions are done on a percentage of your salary. If you've gone back on a lower salary, um, either because you've changed jobs or because you've gone back part-time, that percentage is going to be a percentage of a lower salary. So that's a smaller amount of money that's going to be going into your pension. So it's really important to think about, do you want to increase that percentage? So in monetary terms, you're putting in the same amount as you were before. But also while you're off, if you've changed employers or your employer might have changed their scheme, they might have changed how the pension works. And it might be that now actually they've got a more generous pension system and they'll match that percentage contribution to a higher level. So have a look at that and think about whether you want to increase it because that's kind of free money from your employer. 
But I think also the big thing is, it's a really expensive time. If you're going back to work after you've had kids, you've got the cost of a child now, you've got all of your previous costs anyway of kind of commuting, going to work, you've got childcare costs. It's a really expensive time, um, particularly if you're going back on a lower salary or you're going back part-time. So it might not be possible to do things like increase your pension contributions, but I think just kind of bear it in mind and once again, think about it in terms of the cost of the household. So uh, yourself with your partner, um, work out what's affordable and what you can afford to put money into. Yeah, I mean, knowledge really is power. And I know that that's a phrase that's thrown about, but it can help your confidence at a really daunting time. And just those keeping in touch days, if you can go back into the office before you go back in full time, or just having conversations with people that you used to work with to sort of remind you that actually, yeah, there's more to you than changing nappies. Yeah, I think keeping in touch days can be a great from two aspects like financially you get paid for those days and so that's great and you don't have to do the full day's work so it's not always the childcare headache that you think it might be but also really good for kind of building up your confidence reminding yourself that um what your job used to be um chatting to colleagues um you can also use your holiday towards the end of maternity leave and use that to kind of have a staggered return to work so there's someone I know who's doing this at the moment and she's using her holiday. So she starts back two days a week and then is gradually increasing it to three and then four and then five days a week, but got this kind of really staggered return over time. And that might really work for some people in terms of shifting from that maternity leave mindset back in to working mindset and also financially quite handy to have a couple of fully paid days of work each week. I just like the fact that I could actually drink an entire cup of tea. It was revelatory. Um, Jessica Chivers is a coaching psychologist who has worked with loads of women heading back to the workplace. She is the author of the book, Mother's Work, How to Get a Grip on Guilt and Make a Smooth Return to Work. The guilt, Laura, the guilt stays with us. She also hosts the Comeback Coach podcast and is the founder of the Talent Keeper Specialists, which help employees and employers stay connected during career breaks. And I caught up with her earlier. We talk a lot about the impact on women's finances of career breaks for whatever reason. Uh, Usually it's to do with having children, taking time out to look after children, maybe going back part time or just, you know, taking time out on maternity leave. Um, It can be incredibly daunting going back to the workplace, particularly if you've taken out, you know, more than a year, a couple of years. You talk to a lot of women, you help them when they're heading back to the workplace. What sort of things do they tell you that they're worried about? Well, I think some of the biggest things, Danny, are around thinking, can I still do it? Am I still current? Will I be able to manage what I did before? I think people forget what they were doing as well. They forget how good they were. They forget what they were delivering. They forget their skills. And I also think there's a lot of worry around if you have been out because you've been caring for somebody, will I be able to get a job that gives me the flexibility I need to continue with those caring responsibilities? Or if it's been a health-related leave, 
will I be able to continue to look after myself knowing how I was working before in a job that might have caused some of the health issues. So think flex, confidence, and sometimes there's a worry about how will the family respond or cope with me now being out of the house. So you clearly work with both um, women and employers heading back to the workplace, trying to smooth that transition. What can women themselves do to, to try and help with that, particularly when it comes to confidence? Well, depending upon how long someone has been out of the workplace, Danny, I think one of the things that's really good to do is to go back and look at your performance reviews, 360 degree feedback. If you worked in a big organisation, if you're perhaps in, in, you know, in professional services, something like that, then go back and have a look at what were my performance ratings? What were my objectives? What was I delivering? What were people feeding back and saying I was really good at? Because that's going to give you a sense of what you were doing and just what, you know, what you're good at. So that's a way to build up your confidence. If you haven't got any of that to draw upon, particularly if you've been out for many years, I'd say if you can go back and have a bit, a bit of a chat with some of the people who you were working with and say, well, you know, what, what were we doing together? What, what do you remember I was good at? I'm thinking about going back to work and I'm trying to get my mindset back in the, the, the kind of work that I was doing. Help me to remember. And I think it's particularly good if you can go and have chats with people who you worked with who were still in the current world of work because you never know where those conversations can lead. It could be, have you got any openings? Or, oh, you know, would you tell me more about that? Can you introduce me to someone in a in you know in the business that's doing what I was doing before or what I might want to come back to? So again, those are a couple of things I think people can do for themselves. What about employers? Because I know that for a lot of women, it, it, it is daunting. Maybe they need to work part time. Maybe they need flex time. Maybe, you know, they need to be able to leave one day a week to, to pick up the kids. So are employers flexible in that way? Is that something that they can do? Absolutely. And we know that where employers put on the job adverts, this role can be done flexibly, this job can be done as a um, a job share, where they talk about that flexibility, we know they're going to get many more applications. So as an employer, don't put it on the shoulders of the applicants to have to ask for these things because they may well not ask and even not put themselves into the ring to apply for this. So put it on the job advert and talk about it through the recruitment process. So that's one very definite thing that employers can do. Another thing they can do is specifically go out to target people who are currently away on a break and they'll have to go and look in different places because they may well not be on LinkedIn. They will not necessarily be on the books of of headhunters, recruitment consultants. And that's where things like returnship programs come in really helpfully. Or even if you're not offering something like a returnship, but you recognise there is a pool of talent out there who have got skills. Yes, they might be dormant or be a bit rusty. When you meet these people, look at their CVs from the bottom upwards rather than looking at the career break gap at the top. See everything that they've done today and you'll get a very different view of that candidate. Because the labour market is tight. We hear a lot about the need um, in the country to get older people back into work who've maybe left the workplace during COVID or they've left because they've got 
caring responsibilities for their grandkids or they decided to take early retirement and now maybe they're thinking actually do you know what a little bit of extra cash would be good so what would you say to them I would say have a think about what you ideally want and why you want it. Is it, say, a job in retail? Is it hospitality? Is it, you know, down the local garden centre? And go and have a chat to people who are working in those places. And it's obviously very easy to do that with, say, retail and hospitality, because you can be in there and talking to the employees. I think that's a really great place to start. Get a sense of what's it like to work there? What's the pay like? What's the flexibility like? And honestly, Danny, most people, if you say to them, you know, I enjoy shopping in here, right? You know, what do you like about working here? What's it like to work here? They'll be really flattered. And they they will tell you. So again, you can do that for yourself. And you may even get an in and them say, oh, you know, we are actually looking for someone, but we haven't advertised it yet. Oh, you should have a chat to the manager. So just talk, talk to the people who might have a job, talk to the people who are doing the job that you might want to do. That is fantastic advice. But for some people, it's really nerve wracking to go and do that for the first time. How do people, you know, who've who've maybe not had those kind of interactions, maybe because they've been at home, they've been caring, the only people that they've been talking to might be kids for, you know, a number of, of months. So how do they get that confidence up to to walk through the door in the first place? I think maybe you chat with a friend about it and say, look, this is what I want to do. Would would you come with me? Um, stand by my side. Can I just practice rehearsing this with you? Or maybe you don't even start with a conversation, Danny. Maybe it starts with an email. So you might drop a local business, uh, a line. It's always easier to get in touch with, say, a local smaller business rather than if you were looking at a national tr- chain, then you'd be having to go through that national chain's website and see whether there are any jobs available. But let's say it was a local independent business, drop that business an email and say, I really enjoy shopping in your shop. I was just wondering, do you have any openings? Maybe be really honest and say, I haven't worked for a long time, but this is what I was doing before. And I really, I really love what you're doing. Could I just come and have a chat? And again, a smaller business owner will be really flattered by that. And you've broken the ice over email, and then you're going in and it's a warm conversation rather than starting from cold. So that's some tips for if you're heading back to the workplace. The one thing we're hearing about an awful lot is people taking time out for a career break, planning to take a career break for travel or mental health reasons, or yeah, for kids. So if you are at the point where you're starting to think about that, what can women do to sort of pave the smooth return to the workplace before they even step out? Go and talk to HR about having a planned sabbatical. And even if you don't think you do want to return, keep the option there by saying to HR, look, I would really like to take some time out, but I would really love to come back. You know, I love working here. Can we talk about me having a planned break and returning in 18 months time, two years time? And what that does, Danny, is it acts as a bit of an insurance policy against you losing your confidence and your head dipping and then you being cold and in the labour market trying to find something from a cold start. That if you know that you have a role to return to, you might not 
don't know what role it is because an employer doesn't have to keep a role open for you clearly if you're organizing a sabbatical but if they recognize that you're a good performer and they'd like you back and you've got a date in the diary in x month or x years time to come back and talk to the hr team that is very very helpful always easier really in most cases to return to the employer who you've worked for and got social capital you know good good feeling uh, than have to make a cold start so that's my number one tip if you are planning to take a break and are, are more people doing that i mean i see you know social media stories with people who've gone off traveling do employers accept that this potentially could be a good thing for an employee who's developed new skills you know had new experiences because I suppose some people might be put off actually ever taking the leap thinking I'm going to be judged for wanting to go off on a jaunt. Well, yeah, absolutely. And as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm just scanning through our, our we've got an Instagram account called at comebackcomuk, which is where we sort of post things helpful to people coming back to work after a break. And over on the grid, I'm just looking at Christo Carmen. He's the boss at Wise and he's taking a sabbatical and we're seeing more men recognising that there is value in taking a sabbatical. And we've got someone coming up on our own podcast, actually, we're going to be doing a recording with later on in the year, a man who's taking a sabbatical. And I was out with a friend at the weekend saying her line manager is also going to be taking a six month sabbatical. So I think the fact that men are taking them normally starting to normalize it. These are business leaders. So Christo is, is the boss at Wise. He's a chief executive and founder of this business. So I think this is becoming more mainstream. We're going to see more people taking sabbaticals for sure. And I guess if you're going off traveling, new experiences, that is demonstrating quite a lot of fearlessness and resilience. Uh, and also, you know, that the skills and experiences that you have, they shape you and maybe give you a fresh perspective when you come back to the workplace. Oh, completely agree. And I think it's that freshening up, not just the fresh perspective, because you've you've seen different things, you've done different things, especially if you've gone and spent some time in other cultures and start to think about things differently. But Danny, there is a definite freshness of people who have taken time out. They can now see the wood for the trees. They come back with a different perspective and a freshness. Even women who've been on maternity leave, who by rights are absolutely shattered because of broken night sleep I think they still come back with a fresh attitude even if they're not fresh as in wide awake fresh so yeah that spirit of adventure if you're going off on a sabbatical seeing different things it says a lot about you if you go off and do something like that yeah I can't imagine there are very many women with young kids who are going back to work wide awake fresh I I certainly remember feeling anything but (laughs) me too me too Danny (laughs) So just in terms of when you're talking to women who are going back to work, is there something that every woman says to you, that first conversation about, you know, making that return? Just being very worried about what has happened in the time that she has been away. And it's like a party has been happening that you weren't part of and you're walking in an hour late. That is the feeling that we get. And I'll tell give you one tip Danny that I find myself saying time and again to the coaches who we work with and it's this go back in there and in every meeting that you have for at least the first four weeks you say I'm really pleased to be here 
I'm just back from a break. I'm going to sit here and be deliberately quiet so I can absorb and assimilate everything that's going on. It looks so powerful. It looks so professional. And then you don't have to sit there worrying about, am I going to get called upon? I don't know what's going on. What am I going to say? What are they going to think if I'm not contributing? No, you've just set your stall out at the very beginning, said, delighted to be back. I'm deliberately taking a back seat. I'm not going to say anything. I'm here to absorb and assimilate. Looks brilliant. Jessica, thanks so much for talking to us. Really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. So that was Jessica Chivers there. You can connect with her on social media. She's at Comeback Community. And you can also find lots of resources, advice and inspiration on returning to work on her website, uh, which is talentkeepers.co.uk. And do check out her podcast as well because it's full of really great tips. We are, though, at our favourite point in our podcast because it is confession time and Jessica had a fascinating one. I'm 44 now and I've been married 19 years. Now, before Nick and I got married, I had this really strong sense of fairness and he was earning more than me and we didn't have a joint bank account. So when the credit card bills came in for both of us, for anything that was like going to the cinema, going away for the weekend, going out for dinner, we would always split the bills four sevenths, three sevenths. How anal is that? Because he earned more than me. Okay. And now, obviously, we are married and we have a joint bank account. So now our way of keeping things fair is both salaries go into the joint account and it doesn't matter who's earning what. We both get the same amount of spending money every month. And I think fairness is the key to happiness at home. I like that, though. I like splitting the money proportionate to income. That feels really fair. And I think actually that's a really good system to have if one uh, parent does return to work part time or on like a lower salary after you've had a kid. I like it doesn't it. feel like a financial confession. That feels like a financial cheer rather than. Yes. You know. <laughs> That is it for this episode of the Money Matters podcast. If you would like to share your financial confession or financial cheer with us or anything else, do get in touch on social media. You can find us at AJ Bell Money Matters on Instagram or Twitter, and you can email us as well, moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk. And don't forget that if you haven't already, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and that means you'll never miss an episode. And let other women know and men if you want to, but mainly women, let them know (laughs) to listen to the podcast and to tune in. And next time, we're going to be talking mortgages with the wonderful Meet Margot. Until then, thank you all so much for listening. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.